Father, you are so good to us. You've been good to us this week. What a beautiful day we got to wake up to in your world. And what a group of beautiful people that you've made in your image gathered here to worship your holy name, King Jesus. Uh, we pray that you would meet with us today. We confess that we do not have it all together, and you do. We confess that we are hardly ever right, if ever right, uh, but you are always right, and the only way we can be is when we agree with you. We pray, we confess that your word is true. Uh, we confess that you are true. We confess that you are the truth, and every man is a liar uh, today. It's all about you. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about the band. It's not about the songs. It's not about uh, anything other than King Jesus today. Father, we all brought baggage into the room from the past week, maybe the past couple weeks, maybe the past year. We, we struggled and toted our baggage into the room with us. Will you help us unload it this morning so we can hear clearly from you? Uh, we confess that we are broken and sinful, and we have uh, stepped out of your spirit at times, and when we do that, it's not good. Um, help us unload our baggage and we pray that you would fill our cup, cups with you so deeply that we run over into our world this week in Jesus name, amen, amen. we're going to be in John chapter 8 again today uh, we're actually going to try to finish that up uh, I have been preaching just a few verses at a time one week we just preached over one verse and this morning we're going to be in verses 30 through 59, so it's a tall task, but we're going we're gonna to run through it. It's going to be all right. Um, we're going to be good. And I'll go ahead and tell you I'm going to leave some meat on the bone. I can't talk about everything that this passage talks about uh, this morning, but it's one of those things where I think we need to read it all together to really understand anything about it. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to read a good chunk of verses this morning. And then we're going to make a few observations and application, and, and then we'll be done. Um, y'all ever heard anybody say that I don't like confrontation? When, when I hear somebody say, hey, I don't like confrontation, my mind, which is a weird mind a lot of times, says, is there anybody that does? Uh, and I want to see a show of hands this morning. Is there anybody in the room that likes a good old confrontation? Nobody likes confrontation, right? I don't like it. Uh, nobody likes it. Sometimes we have to do it, but it's never fun. Um, I'm going to be real transparent with you this morning. And I didn't really clearly go over this with Beth before I did this, so uh, it's all good. But the past couple weeks at the Clegg House have not been great. Uh, you know, sometimes people think preachers have it all just hunky-dory at the house and everything's perfect and um, nobody ever gets upset and... Uh, nobody gets mad at one another. Nobody has an argument. Uh, there are no disagreements. You know, their wives are totally submissive all the time. Uh, 
Everybody thinks that. Nobody hears you. Um, we're, we're uh, you know, but, but the past couple weeks at this Clegg house has been a little wonky, and Beth would agree with you. It hadn't been good. There's been a spirit in our house that's just not good. Um, and a few days ago, I mean, there came a point where we were like, look, we have to talk. We have to get this worked out. We can't move on until we are face-to-face settling things. And we had to have a confrontation where we confronted one another. And it wasn't comfortable. Uh, She confronted me about some truths in my life that I didn't like. Uh, I confronted her about a bunch of stuff. I still got the list in my office. Um, But... But we, we, uh, we had a confrontation, and it, didn't, it wasn't fun. But it was, it was better than the past two weeks. You know what I mean? I'm glad we did that. And then we made up. Which is always the best part of a good argument. The making up. I'm considering picking another fight this afternoon just to make up again. Um, Oh, it's good to be married. What happens, what happens when somebody confronts you? What happens in your soul when somebody confronts you? Do you automatically get defensive? Most of the time we do. Most of the time when somebody confronts us, our first response is, wait a minute, look at what you did. Instead of looking inside of our soul and saying, is there any correction here that needs to be made in my own life? Do you understand what I'm saying? This this morning... Jesus is in a confrontation in this circumstance we're going to read about. He's in a confrontation uh, with some people who should know better. A really interesting passage. It's one of the ugliest passages in all the Bible that deals with Jesus and the religious leaders. Uh, They get real ugly. Jesus doesn't. Jesus is constantly sharing the truth with them. But in response to that truth, they get real ugly when they push back against him. And I don't want us to be a church that ever pushes back against our king. Did you hear me? I want us to hear truth from Jesus and say, yes. Oh, that hurt, but yes. Oh, that that stung deep. But he's right. I may not get it tomorrow, but I'm going to work with him and he's going to work with me and we're going to get it. Right? John 8, verse 30. The title of the message, Who is Jesus? He is the truth. He is the truth. John 8, starting in verse 30. Read with me. We're going to read the whole whole passage. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will be free? 
Jesus responded, truly, I tell you, even everyone. What does truly mean? Amen. Truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. Amen. Amen. I know you are descendants of Abraham, but you are trying to kill me because my word has no place among you. Wouldn't that be a sad thing for Jesus to say to us? Ah. I speak what I have seen in the presence of the Father, so then you do what you have heard from your father. Our father is Abraham, they replied. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus told them, you would do what Abraham did. But now you're trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham, Abraham did not do this. You're doing what your father does. We weren't born of sexual immorality, they said. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me because I came from God and I'm here. For I didn't come on my own, but he sent me. But why don't you understand what I say? Because you cannot listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not, under, does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he speaks from his own nature because he's a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Who among, who among you can convict me of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? The one who is from God listens to God's words. This is why you don't listen, because you're not from God. The Jews responded to him, Aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? I do not have a demon, Jesus answered. <laughs> no. On the contrary, I honor my father and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it and judges. Truly, I tell you, if anyone keeps my words, he will never see death. Then the Jews said, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died and so did the prophets. You say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you claim to be? If I glorify myself, Jesus answered, my glory is nothing. My Father, about whom you say he is our God, he is the one who glorifies me. You do not know him, but I know him. If I were to say I don't know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. The Jews replied, you aren't 50 years old yet, and you've seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, before Abraham was, I am. That is a total, blatant acknowledgement from Jesus. I am God. That is all that can ever mean to the ears of a Jew. It may not mean that to you when you hear it, but Jesus wasn't talking to you when he said it. You have to know who heard it. Jesus definitely claimed to be God. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple. A lot going on there. Big time conversation. I want to ask for your attention this morning. I want to ask you to listen to me. Uh, I know, I know a, lot of, a lot of times I can probably put you to sleep. 
But this morning's a really, really important message that, that I think is vital for us to hear. First observation today is believing, in, believing Jesus is not the same as believing in Jesus. Verses 30 and 31 kind of had me tripped up in the whole time we've been in John 8. Um, because th- there's a statement made uh, at the beginning of verse 31. Check this out. He's fixing to have this big argument. You've got to see who he's talking to in verse 31. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. These aren't people that are rebellious people out in the world that hate God. He just stated, he's speaking to people that believed in him, and this is where the conversation goes. They're saying to him, you have a demon. You have a demon. We know you have a demon. You aren't from God. You're from Satan. That's where the conversation goes. They talk about... um, When they say we weren't born of sexual immorality, they're talking about Jesus' birth situation. When Jesus' mama comes out and says, hey, I'm a virgin and I'm giving birth, I was impregnated by the Holy Spirit, not everybody said, oh, that's cool. Most everybody said, yeah, I bet you were. She was, it was true, but what they're saying is, at least we know who our daddies are. This is an ugly thing going on here. Ugly. But it's people that believe him. Then I finally, this week, I saw verses 30 and 31 together. Let's read verses 30 and 31 together on the screen. And he was saying these things. Many believed in him. Right? Then Jesus said to the Jews who had Believed him. There is a major difference between believing something and believing in something. You with me? It's a very real reality that when Jesus was speaking, there was a group of people, when they heard his voice, when they heard his message, their affections turned to him and said, I believe in him. That means his words change my life now. That means I live by his message. That means when I see what he does, I say that's right and I want to do that. Fill me with your spirit. Lead my life. I want to live for you. And then there are people who just believe him. And those are the people he has this conversation with. The ones who just believe him. You with me? You can tell me something today. You can come up to me and say... Hey, uh, I bought a bottle of mustard yesterday and it was yellow. Okay, I believe you. But that doesn't sink into my soul and begin to guide my life. You know what I'm saying? Believing in something means that it has sunk deep into me. It's, It's become my guide, my compass. John's making a distinction between belief here. Now, now something I said early on uh, was a mistake. I said that this was unique. Uh, John's, the way he talks about levels of belief. There's belief that leads to salvation, and then there's just belief that leads to nothing. Uh, Probably hell down here. But John's John's not the only one that talks about this. Uh, He's the only one that says it like he says it. He's the only one that uses the word believe, but... 
Matthew and Mark tell a story about a parable, and I want you to see Matthew's version. Uh, Put that on the screen, please. Matthew chapter 13, verse 3. This is Jesus talking. He told them many things in parables, saying, Consider the sower who went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came out and devoured them. What do you think that is? What do you think that represents? Hearing the word, the word falls on you, but it's snatched away. That's rejection, right? That's total rejection of who Jesus is. I hear the gospel, I don't want it, right? It's gone. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, but it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. So there's a sprout, right? There's signs of the gospel that come up, right? But what happens? When the sun came up, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away, right? So the first one rejects completely. The second one comes up for a little bit, but there's a little bit of pressure that comes on it, and bam, it's done, right? Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it. Still other seed, what, what is that one? Verse 7, it's, it's when uh, he's talking about when a plant comes up and, and thorns choke it from the outside, When Jesus talks about this parable and explains it, he says that's when the cares of the world come on somebody. And it traps them. And it kills what sprouted. Still other seed fell on good ground and produced fruit, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. Those are the people that embrace the gospel. They hear the gospel, it lands on the right soil, and God produces fruit in their life that they can't even explain apart from him. And y'all, I think that's a really good picture of where we are today. Check this out, y'all. Think about this. In that story, there's four different seeds. One of them rejects completely. One of them embraces completely. But there's two in the middle that represents 50% of the seed that looks good for a little while, but it's not real. It looks good for a little bit, but it's not real. I I don't think it's a far cry to say two-thirds of the people that we see that claim the name of Jesus probably aren't real. You throw a little pressure on their life, you throw a a little persecution on their life, and they're out. You throw some cares of this world on their life and what was so passionate at the beginning, they just get caught up in other things that the world advertises and produces and they're gone. I think it's a scary picture. Luke also talks about this in a different way. Matthew and Mark tell the parable of the sower. Luke 6 says this, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words and acts on them. Did you... Does that sound familiar? Just like in the passage we read in John, he says, if you continue in my word, you will reveal that you are my disciple. I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. Same verbiage. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. 
The river crashed against it and immediately it collapsed. And the destruction of that house was great. In that story, 50% of people, two people build a house, but only one house, is, one house survives. I don't, I don't want to be fearful, I don't want to uh, operate in fear this morning, but y'all, the reality of the scripture is that there is a, a really, really big difference between believing Jesus and believing in Jesus. If you believe Jesus, other people's views can affect that belief, but when, you're, when you've planted your soul in who Jesus is and he's what's guiding you, nothing can change that. When you believe Jesus and he confronts you, you don't say no. When you believe in Jesus and he confronts you, you don't say no. You say you're right. When you just believe Jesus and he confronts you, you'll make Jesus into whoever you need Jesus to be. When Jesus confronts your politics, do you bail? When Jesus confronts your marriage, do you bail? When Jesus confronts your spending, do you bail? When Jesus confronts your attitude, do you bail? Because what happens when Jesus confronts us, what happens in our soul when the King of Kings confronts us determines whether or not we believe in Him or we just believe Him. Is He ruler of our life or is He just part of our belief system? Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus isn't looking to be added to what you believe about this world. Jesus wants to consume you and direct everything else you believe. Number two. Uh, this is... Huh. It is what it is. When the Word of God is rejected... The truth is lost and people get stupid. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a pastor. I probably shouldn't say that last word. You may not use that in your house. Um, it may be a nickname for somebody in your house. I don't know. But I wanted to use a touch of a strong word. Because I want you to see this in these people. They have lost reality because they've said no to the Bible, no to the word, no to the truth. And y'all listen to me. This isn't just for you. This is absolutely for Dustin. Apart from the Spirit filling me every second of the day, I'm about two minutes from ruining my life. At all times. Apart from Jesus guiding me constantly, I'm talking about staying on me, teaching me, son, you know this is right. Son, you know this is wrong. Me listening to the Spirit of God 
is so crucial that if I abandon it, if I avoid it, I am always on the edge of two minutes from ruining my life. And I'm not talking about uh, saying a bad word. I'm talking about doing something that will change the trajectory of my life, my wife's life, my kid's life, my parents' life, all my kinfolk's life. That damaging. Every single one of us in this room are. We are no good. We are no good. There is none righteous. Not even one of you in this room. Apart from Jesus leading us, covering us, guiding us. Man, we're always at the edge of death. I want you to see this. Uh, something breaks in us when we say no to Jesus. And, and, and you'll see it in the passage. Um, verse 33. Look at their response to Jesus in verse 33. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him, and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Um... Have the descendants of Abraham ever been enslaved to anyone? Only almost the whole time they've been here. What about Egypt for 400 years? What about Babylon? When they said it, they were under Roman rule. If you want to talk about politics, Jesus was talking about sin. right? He was talking about a spiritual slavery. But even what they said made no sense. Why? Because, friend, I'm telling you, you put your hand up and say no to Jesus, things fixing to get stupid for you. You're going to believe stuff that's a lie, and you're not just going to believe it, you're going to proclaim it. And you're going to look like a fool. You say no to the truth, the truth gets lost. And then we get stupid. 41, you're doing what your father does, Jesus says. We weren't born of sexual immorality, they said. We have one father, God. Uh, In the literal, uh, they're calling him a B word here. They're saying you ain't got no daddy. To the God of creation... The one who is their father, the one that created them in their womb and spoke them into existence, they're saying, you ain't got no dad. That's not smart. Next. The Jews responded to him, aren't we right in saying that you're a Samaritan and you have a demon? Was Jesus a Samaritan? Dumb, right? What are you talking about? And he didn't have a demon either. The Jews said, now we know you have a demon. Abraham died and so did the prophets. You say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. They have totally lost track of what Jesus is even talking about. 
They're not tracking with him. They're totally irrational and illogical in their responses. Verse 43, verse 53, I mean. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you claim to be? Uh, the answer to that is yes. Verse 57. Um, you, aren't, you aren't even 50 years old yet and you've seen Abraham? He wasn't even 40 yet. Um, they're wrong about that too. Verse 59. So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden and went out of the temple. They want to kill God in the name of God who said, don't, don't murder. Do you see how this conversation has just turned into total nonsense for them? It's, it's lost its spiritual flavor even. They're, they're just looking stupid at this point. And y'all, we are not past that. We're not above that. We're not better than that. We have to submit ourselves to the truth of God or we will lose our way very quickly and very badly. Paul says this to Timothy in 2 Timothy. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. We proclaim that to the world, but Paul wrote that to a preacher of a church. Why? Because he knows the church, y'all, the church will be just as guilty or more guilty than the world trying to tickle what they want to hear. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying to you? This is a really big deal. We get passionate about a lot of things. We have misplaced passions. Whenever we lose sight of the truth, say no to Jesus, and we make ourselves look like a bunch of fools. Please, please, when Jesus speaks to you, let it sink deep inside of you. Even when it hurts, do you think it doesn't hurt me when I study the Scripture? Do you think it doesn't hurt when I'm studying for a sermon? Y'all, Jesus preaches this stuff to me all week, and, and I'm thinking, how am I going to say this to anybody else? If, if the Scripture doesn't ever hurt your feelings, you're not reading it right. This is God's Word. The Holy One's Word. Speaking to a bunch of broken people, yes, it's going to hurt. What do you do when it does? You say, no more. Or do you say, let me step into the light. It hurts. I'm exposed. But have your way. Thank you, Bobby. Have your way. Something breaks in us when we say no. Number three. Not all truth leads to freedom. But the truth named Jesus does. And the freedom we receive from Jesus may not look like we think it should. Um, Jesus says, If you continue in my word, you will... You really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You've heard that line before. 
Man, I've seen this at, at educational institutions, like up on a wall, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And hey, I'm for education, but really those educated people should know that was taken out of context. You study math, that's not going to set you free. Man, that's going to bind you up, especially that new stuff. Man, I can't, I can't help my kids with nothing. It binds up a whole night. You study geography and you know the truth about geography, that doesn't set you free. What's Jesus talking about? You continue in my word. You continue in my word and you will know me. You will know the truth named Jesus and that will always set you free. From whatever you're bound to. Jesus is always a freeing God. Always. Um, Jesus is always dealing with two types of people. And this, this isn't any different. You know, this is still connected to the woman caught in adultery. Jesus is always dealing with two types of people. There, you can really put just about everybody in one of these categories all around the world. He's dealing with wretched sinners and religious self-centereds. You got wretched sinners who are sinning out in the open, and you got secret sinners over here that are trying to trying to show everybody else except God that they're perfect in every way. And Jesus is always talking to one or the other. Uh, but following Jesus leads a wretched sinner out of bondage from sin, and he says that. And following Jesus leads a religious self-centered out of bondage to religion, which is their sin. Self-righteousness is a sin among sins, a bad sin, a deceptive sin from the enemy. But he leads both to freedom. For the sinner, it's... Uh, it's, it's forgiveness and for the, the self-centered it's, it's to show them uh, I would probably land in this category I, I did a lot of wretched sins too but I, predominantly for my life I was raised in church and I'm, I'm probably the one that needed freedom from self-righteousness freedom from thinking that I had it all figured out that's probably a better description of me it's a hard one to get out of but even Jesus, Jesus can even do that but this is the thing about freedom with Jesus that I thought about this week. When you journey with sin, it feels like freedom at first. But the longer you journey with it, it always adds more change to your life. And you look up and you're tied down. And, and here's the crazy and ironic thing. Following Jesus, most of the time, you look at it and you're like, boy, that kind of looks like bondage. But you journey with Jesus and you don't get nothing but more free and more free and more free all the time. Isn't that weird that sin looks like freedom? Like, like when you become a teenager and, and, and somebody uh, shows you pornography and you look at that and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm free. Uh, <laughs> let's laugh at this. This is funny. And, oh, my goodness. Oh, we're, we're teenagers. We're free. We're awesome. We're... And then you turn 38 and you're still latched on to that thing. 
and your wife catches you. And you have to explain to your 12-year-old daughter that you're in bondage to pornography. Oh, it felt free at first. We were laughing and cutting up. It was awesome. It ain't so awesome when I got to look my daughter in the eye. And say, I got to tell you something. Me and mama got to take a break. Oh, man, drugs, addiction. Boy, the appeal is so awesome. Oh, oh, man. This is awesome. For a night, oh, this is cool. I'm 21, I'm free. I'm an adult, I'm free. Until you keep on and you keep on and you keep on and you keep on and you keep on. And here you are, 45, and you just found yourself in jail for the past 10 years. In and out of jail. And you have no life because you're in bondage to sin. Do you see how... How deceptive this is. Sin always preaches the gospel of this is good news for now. But you journey with it and it always leads to complete bondage. I don't care what it is. It always leads to complete bondage. Just adding more shackles slowly so you can't tell. Jesus though. There's a lot of you not following Jesus this morning because you think we got a big old book of rules right here that we're talking about. It looks like bondage. Man, if I do this, oh my goodness, i got to get over church every Sunday and small group and life group and everybody's going to be saying I need to act different. Oh my goodness, I just want to live my life. I want to be free. But when you surrender to Jesus and you journey with him and you're like this, and it, it feels kind of slow, but man, he's just pulling off a link to the chain. And all of a sudden, you get to have life. There ain't nobody in this world more free than me. I have fun. I have fun. Now, you take me to a room full of preachers, and I'm bound up. I don't know if they're free or not. I get to preach in a T-shirt. They got to wear a tie. But listen to me. It feels like bondage at first. And the reality is, is he finds you, always finds you in the bondage. That's why it feels like it. But the journey, the journey leads to freedom. And you're going to look up. If, it, if you're real, you continue in, in his word like he says, not me. You continue in his word like he says. He will set you free. And three years from now, you're going to look up and say, man, I don't know what the heck happened, but I ain't who I used to be. That's right. Amen. I ain't where I need to be. I ain't where I'm going to be. But I'm not who I used to be. That will be your story. Um, application. Don't follow the rules. Follow the ruler. Uh, somebody put that on a t-shirt, man. I don't normally say stuff like that. I don't want to sound arrogant. But that came to me and I was like, that's a t-shirt. <laughs> don't follow the rules. Follow the ruler. Nobody in this room that is following Jesus cares anything about you picking up a big old book of rules and trying to do everything it says to make you right with God. Our goal is that you will look in here and find the king and that he will show you everything you need to know. Ain't nobody trying to get you to follow the rules. If they do, they need to repent. Are you in bondage? 
Are you in bondage to sin? Are you in bondage to religion? They're both equally bound. Do you believe in Jesus or do you believe Jesus? Does Jesus direct everything else that you do or is Jesus an addition to everything else that was already there? He's not interested in that, friends. He's not interested in joining a big old bunch of stuff you already got. That's why he calls us to repent. You repent, clear the slate, make him Lord of your life on the throne of your life. And he changes everything. Do you believe him or do you believe in him? I want to give you the opportunity to believe in him. That means we repent. Repentance is just a fancy word for making a complete turnaround. I'm going this direction and I declare this is the wrong direction. I want to follow you for the rest of my life, King Jesus. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean I never mess up. It doesn't mean I'm completely squeaky clean. It means I'm free to follow you. And then we put all our faith in Jesus to free us. We don't try. We don't, we don't try to look for all the rules. We don't try to obey all the rules. We don't talk about all the rules all the time. We talk about the king, right? We follow the king. And he shows us how to follow the rules. Do you want Jesus? If you do, if you want to believe in Jesus for the first time ever, you don't need to believe in him 500 times. You need to believe in him every day. But do you, do you want to believe, surrender your, Christ, your life to Christ for the first time this morning? I want to give you that opportunity. I want to ask you to stand up right now if you want to trust him. It's a lower crowd today. You don't have to be as bold today. But I promise you this, when you follow him, you'll stand up in front of Razorback Stadium. When he frees you, man, I don't care who knows it. Give me my Jesus shirt. Are you a believer who has put your hand up to the truth? Has Jesus spoken truth over your life at times and, and, he said, and he said this is different than what everybody else is doing. This is different than what all this group of people that you belong to is doing but this is what I'm calling you to do and be. And you said no. If you're a believer that's done that friend I'm calling on you to repent. Because you're real close to getting stupid. If it hadn't already happened. Will you repent this morning? Is there any believer in this room that, that will confess, Hey, I, I know what Jesus has told me to do. I know what Jesus has told me to change. And I've put my hand in his face and I've said no. Would anybody stand up and say that this morning? Not to embarrass you, but to confess and to be real and to pray you through. Thank you, brother. I want to follow Jesus with people like you. Thank you, brother.
Man, come pray over my brother. Come on. Get up, man. Come pray over my brother. Band, if you will come forward, I'm going to pray and then we'll sing a couple more songs. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word, even though it is confrontational, even though it's what we call steps on our toes. Uh, it steps all over me. It hadn't missed a spot. It's uncomfortable. But I'm thankful that we have a God that loves us enough to tell us the truth. We have a God that loves us enough to, to proclaim who he is and call us into his marvelous light. We don't want a God that stays in our darkness. We want a God that brings us into his light. Thank you for being that God to us, King Jesus. We don't want to believe you. We want to believe in you. We want your truth to go directly to our soul uh, so that we avoid walking in the flesh and doing something uh, that we all know is not good. We confess that we're capable of anything. We confess that we point fingers, that we easily point fingers to the world who doesn't even know you. But if we, if we confess the truth, the truth is we're capable of everything they do apart from you. You leave us alone, we are a nasty people. Father, I'm thankful for your truth that leads to freedom. Help us understand the real nature of sin that leads to bondage, that journeys us to bondage. Help us understand the true nature of freedom that, that walks us out of darkness and just sheds chains off of us during the journey. God, help us. You know we need it, and we do too. In Jesus' name, amen.